I'm Joe. Nice to meet you, brother. I love watching you grow up. He's pulling down his pants. Put up your pants, my man. I'm Joe. Nice to meet you, brother. I love watching you grow up. He's pulling down his pants. Put up your pants, my man. Touchdown! Is this the <laughs> Fernando Tatis Jr. A grand slam. Iguodala. It's funny to hear female talk about routes like. <laughs> Take off the and be a man. Welcome to From the Backseat, hosted by Clark and Ethan. It's funny. Hello, welcome to From the Backseat. I am your host today. My name is Ethan, uh, and I am a diehard Charger fan, and my co-host today is... What's up, guys? This is Clark, diehard Padres, Bengals fan. It's all a circle of hell over here, but we're loving it. Hey, uh, it's got to feel good when you got two winning teams staring down the bracket, even though... Every time that even though you made the Super Bowl, even though you are leading the division right now, every fan base will say that you are a bad team no matter what. It's okay. It's fine. We love that. You know, I don't believe in bulletin board material, but maybe some people on the Bengals do. They'll take a little note to it. Who knows? We'll see what happens. But long way away. Long way to go. Not worried about it, though. Feel pretty good about it. So. Yeah, so speaking of the Bengals, uh, so I've been looking over these schedules that have been released by the NFL, and I thought we would start by breaking these down in our first episode and looking over what schedules we think are interesting, what schedules we think we need to slow the roll on. So, Clark, what schedule do you think that experts are kind of overrating right now or need to really slow the roll on? Ahead with that, um, I think from just looking at it, I feel like – Again, going back to the topic of everyone thinks the Bengals will just regress because I guess that's just the cool thing to say now. Um, I don't think Cincinnati's schedule is really as hard as it typically seems. Um, I know I think they have the third hardest off percentage. Um, But when you look at it, the NFC South, okay, I think people are a little bit overrating what the Saints are going to be. Uh, The Falcons and Panthers are going to be very bad. The only team in there that really poses any threat is Tampa Bay. Um. I know they play all the first place teams and then going to the AFC East side. I mean, I know there was three teams that finished over 500 in that division. That's great. Miami, we have the Patriots and we have the bills. The bills are really the only team of that group that scares me. Um, when looking at Miami, you have a guy that will underthrow every receiver on his team. So I'm not really worried about that. I'm just going to wait under the ball for it. Cause he'll make some sort of mistake. And then with the Patriots, I know bill Belichick's a really great coach. Obviously I think anyone who watches a sport is aware of that, but um offensively i think when you saw that game against buffalo in the playoffs there's not a ton that really jumps out you're like oh my gosh they're efficient they have you know some nice players but there's not a lot of explosiveness and i think in division um i mean again i don't know when deshaun watson's playing um he might not play at all this year for anyone knows and then with the ravens i know everyone said they crushed that draft they did get some great guys kyle hamilton i love but the ultimate reality is that Greg Roman still calls plays for them. And uh, last time I checked, they only have Rashad Bateman to throw to someone. So I don't know if they're going to just rely on DuVernay a lot more or what the deal is. But yeah, I don't think that the idea, I think this idea that Cincinnati is just going to roll over and be some sort of joke and just regress horribly, despite the fact that they only improved, um, doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I think people are kind of overhyping their schedule a little bit. So what about you, though? What, what were we looking at over there, Ethan? Uh, so, I mean, uh, the biggest schedule that I think is just tough, and I think it just adds on to this complexity of the NFL we see this year, is the Chiefs are going to have a rough go at the beginning. They play for the first 
eight games, teams that all won at least 10 games last year, which not every one of those teams is going to win 10 games next year, but they're still all really tough teams. And especially with how young that defense is, because they're going to expect at least three of those rookies they drafted this year to start. It's going to be rough for them to get connected and get started when they're playing the likes of all of their division, plus Aaron Rodgers, plus Tom Brady. I mean, they have a tough road ahead with what they're looking at. Um, So we'll see how the Chiefs finish. That's really what matters the most, but their start is really tough. Yeah, I think they're one of those teams where, I mean, just looking at schedule-wise, if they can just weather it, come out of there above 500, and I feel like they probably feel really good about themselves. I mean, probably for Chiefs fans and probably the Chiefs players itself, the expectation is a little bit higher, but I think if you take a step back and understand who they play the first start of the season, coming out over there over 500, you're probably feeling all right with things. Yeah, I mean, you're probably fine, especially depending on who they beat. Like, if they're sitting two at one at the division halfway mm-hmm. through, you got to be sitting really good in the AFC West. I think an AFC West winner this year is probably like four and two within the division. Yeah, I don't think, I mean, clearly, I don't think anyone in the division is going to go out there and sweep anyone in the AFC West. I think everyone's too good. Um, I mean, I think there's certainly, all of them are capable of doing it, but the idea of someone, you know, like for the Chargers example, or the Raiders, going in two arrowhead and mile high winning both of those games that would be rather remarkable but no, it could be tough done. sledding tough sledding tough sledding um so what games are you looking forward to are there any on the schedule that really pop off to you yeah yeah obviously it has those that they have circled marked down i think uh one game i'm really looking forward to is uh week six you get the uh possible revenge game for josh allen off the uh, coin flip you get Buffalo and Kansas City. I feel like that was probably one of the most talked about games after it ended. Um, I personally, you know, everyone had their own opinion about the overtime rules. I think the overtime rules are actually fine, but now obviously they've changed. Um, yeah. But I think that'll be a really interesting game. I think it's probably two of the most gifted passers in the NFL going against each other. Um, and I think it'll just be fun to see. You know, you get a little bit of part two. Those are two guys that I think you're going to see in the league for a very long time competing with one another. So just to get another installment, I think, is really exciting. Um, I think another game I'm really looking forward to, again, it goes back to Kansas City. Um, I think Kansas City, when they play Tampa Bay, that will be, you know, your rematch from a Super Bowl from now two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, see if, you know, Mahomes can schwack over Brady one more time before he's out of here. Um, I don't think he will, but... That'll be yeah. an exciting game, certainly, to watch. And then, um, for me, personally, as a Bengals fan, um, I'm rather excited to see the Bengals versus uh, Ravens matchup the first time we meet this season. Um, a lot of Ravens fans claim that this, again, going back, this whole Bengals team's fraudulent. But, um, you know, we schwacked them twice by 20. I know they were down guys the last time we played, but I just want to see it. I, I think Lamar Jackson is probably one of the most electric and exciting players to watch in the NFL. So just to get to watch him healthy again and see those two teams play, always physical ball in the AFC North. So I would say those are probably the three games I'm really looking forward to most. But what about you? What do you check down for yourself? Um, I mean, as a Chargers fan, it, it's hard not to get excited about some of these primetime games, especially with the likes of Herbert. I mean, playing at the end of the year, week 17, they're playing the uh, the Rams in SoFi. I mean, mm-hmm. the stadium's going to be electric. It's going to be Rams, Chargers, Super Bowl champs from last year versus hopefully Super Bowl champs of this year. Um, so hopefully that'll be a big game. And then, honestly, coming in, just hyped up about these Bills 
these Bills primetime games. I mean, the Bills mm-hmm. are the most interesting team, I think, going into the year just because Josh Allen, over this offseason, has raised his stock so much. People are now... Mm-hmm. I've seen so many people with the take that he's better than Mahomes, which to me is wrong, but, mm-hmm. I mean, I get it. But I don't feel like there was anything last year that Josh Allen did to sh- like elevate himself over Mahomes. If anything, I feel like they're about equals. Mm-hmm. But I- I'm interested to see Josh Allen's development because every single year he's gotten better and better and better. And they're playing mm-hmm. Green Bay this year, and that'll just be a great matchup to see. Hopefully Aaron Rodgers last year in the league, even though it probably won't be, but we can all dream. Um versus this new age of quarterback with Mahomes and Josh Allen and Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow and all these guys start to take out the old guard of Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. Anything else? Is the only game you got circled down, or is there a couple more? I, don't know. I mean, there's a lot of games that I've circled down. I mean, I watch every single game. Yeah. And honestly, to tell you the truth, like it's fun to get excited about these matchups, but... All of these matchups kind of change. I don't feel like there's any big game like last year where Tom Brady was going back to Foxborough. Yeah, I, I mean, mean that... I you'll have a, I guess one that you'll have, I think, what is it, week one? You'll have Denver and Seattle. Yeah. You'll have Russell Wilson going back. But I feel like with Brady Seattle's and the Patriots, <laughs> well, no, Seattle's terrible. That is one aspect of it. I, I mean, that will be a terrible game. Um, but I feel like, too, with Brady and the whole New England thing was that um, – there was like at least a couple years of separation. I want to say like two years before they met up again. Yeah, so, there, there was a year in between. And Tom Brady I, had gone on to win a Super Bowl in Tampa. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like you need for Russell Wilson. I'm sure the Seahawks fans all still love him there, but I feel like you need a little bit more time for things to marinate to uh, maybe have yourself appreciate a little bit more of what you had. And maybe two won't be as big of a – it'll be a huge welcome back regardless, but – the Seahawks yeah. weren't necessarily killers the last two years that Russ was there. Certainly not the last season he was there. I mean, I know he was injured, but I don't know. I, I feel like there's none of the. I get what you're saying. None of those like homecoming or reunion games of any kind. No. I guess there's none of those huge games. I mean, I'm gonna be excited. Like uh, in Week 14, Tampa Bay plays the 49ers, which will be a fun, mm-hmm. fun matchup for sure. But, like, a lot of these things, like, I want to say 49ers games will be fun to watch. But if Debo's not on the team, I don't even know how good the 49ers are going to be. They still yeah, have I mean, Jimmy G's the guy. Trey Lance doesn't seem to have taken the step yet. No, we hear all those reports that, like, again, they're from interesting sources. And Mike Lombardi, I think, had it, too, that, like, yeah. you know, there's not as much faith in Trey Lance that there originally would be. And I guess that's a little bit concerning because that, that is one question, at least for them, is I, I don't know who they go into with the season as a starter at this point. Yeah. I mean, they're they're an interesting one because they can totally upgrade Jimmy G and he needs to be upgraded, but they have Trey Lance, who they drafted number three overall and traded three first round picks for, but they don't feel confident enough to put him in there. Yeah, I feel like that would be um if he's not able to play at a high level here, because this is what, this will be year two for him? Year yeah, year this two. Will be year two. So I mean, we could be staring down the barrel if he doesn't play this year, then they then he plays one year as a starter and then they have to decide whether to extend him after that season. Well, I just think okay. I understand sitting a guy a year. I really do. I understand it if you're a guy who gets taken like Jordan Love and you're somewhere in the 20s. Trey Lance was three overall. That's a little and, bit different. 
and three first round picks package I know. for him. I feel like the the reports of this like not being confident in him really spells kind of not ideal if you're a 49ers fan. I would be well, worried. I'm glad I mean, you know, but Yeah, the one thing I have to think is if Trey Lance doesn't work out, like if he is not good, is he in the territory of one of the biggest draft busts in NFL history? He, I mean, he'd be taken third overall, plus the 49ers gave up three firsts to get him. You know, I mean, I think it's certainly within the conversation, absolutely, because where he was taken. But I think the interesting part of the conversation that people would maybe overlook it as is that the 49ers as a whole have still been wild, could still be wildly successful without ever needing his use. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, it's true. I mean, they were in the NFC Championship game, and he, how many snaps he didn't play? I mean, I think he just had a couple starts in there when Garoppolo was yeah. hurt. And I think everyone assumed when that happened, that would be the time he took over. And I think if anything, it pointed out, okay, well, he's really not ready. And it's even more yeah. concerning that, you know, we're at this point getting closer to training camp in July. And the report is, is like, well, we don't know. So, I don't know. I mean, that'll be, but, yeah. I, I mean, the, the Trey Lance thing leads to an interesting discussion. Because, like, what are the 40, or not the 49ers, what are the Green Bay Packers going to do with Jordan Love? We're talking about Trey Lance, like he needs to start year two. We're already past year two on Jordan Love, and he's not starting in year three either. No, I, I think, I mean, I don't know. I'm surprised the Packers didn't try to deal him at some point this offseason. I think, realistically, I don't know if there was any attempt. Um, I, I guess they didn't know if Rodgers was coming back or not for the longest time, but I feel like as soon as we got into January, winning heals all, the Packers are playing better. Rodgers, that was going to be kind of a foregone conclusion. I don't know what to do with Jordan Love, though. I don't know of a team that really wants him either. I don't think there's been anything that he showed, even like the cleanup time that he's been in or that start he had against the Lions. You're like, wow, that guy could be something. I feel well, like there's honestly, a lot of questions. Talking about starts from Jordan Love, the, the one that stands out to me is this Kansas City one. They could have beaten Kansas City that entire game. And he just kept throwing it away over and over again. And then... I don't know. I I just don't know if you're the Packers, what you do. I mean, I think he, I, I mean Rodgers is how many more? He's just signed the extension, so I think the realistic. I you, he has no use. He has zero use. Yeah. So do you just let him walk as a free agent? And just no. You probably you probably try to trade him to someone. I mean, I don't know. I would say if the Broncos didn't have Russ, John Elway, who was formerly in charge, is a big enough idiot, he'd probably trade for him. But. Yeah. uh I, I don't know of any team that really – I mean, the Colts. The Colts trade for someone every year. Maybe they'll take a flyer on Trey Lance, and they'll be like, we don't want to use a first-round pick because we don't have one anymore, and we can take him. But hey, but I realistically decide, don't uh... see a, a landing spot for him right now. So Yeah, I have no idea. Yeah, but the Colts just signed Nick Foles, so they're set for the future. Yeah, well, they got Matt three. Ryan and Nick Foles, so look out. Nick Foles has more Super Bowl titles than our two franchises combined, respectively. I mean, good for him. He also has a statue. That's true. Well, so uh, one other ga- one other matchup I want to point out before we move on is in Week 13 there is a Broncos at Ravens matchup, which mm-hmm. I think will end up being a really good game by that point, just because it's kind of the battle of these. I mean, what kind of set the future of the NFL of these kind of mobile quarterbacks who still are able to throw the ball but make good plays. And hopefully by that point the Ravens will have figured it out, and that ground and pound team will just be distru- will just be running over Denver, and Denver's air raid will be able to get through to them. So I think that'll be a good matchup as well. 
Yeah, I mean, it'll be a good matchup. But my, my biggest thing for the Ravens, though, consistently goes back to, I, I mean, it's great. I think they, they crushed the draft again this year. Don't get me wrong. They do a great job over there. I've witnessed it for years. However, who do they throw the football to? Not name Rashad Bateman and Mark Andrews. Teams are good. They will figure it out. They will limit it. I don't know. I'm just a little skeptical on that. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know, but their their run game is just so strong. It's Even really the, good. They're going to get Dobbins and Gus Edwards back. That will be huge. I'm not denying that. However, I think we've seen the mold go into the playoffs now, and it doesn't work. If they get behind in the game, they're kind of screwed. Yeah. They can't win a shootout. They can't do it. Well, they can't. I take it back. They can win a shootout. They did it in Kansas City against like week three. But I wouldn't bet my money on it more times happening than not. Yeah, no, I would agree. I mean, they ha- they have a very specific way of playing into it with his aggressive nature. No, I, I think so, too. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. Don't confuse this as, like, I don't think the Ravens are going to be good. I, I know they're going to be good. They're not going to be an 8-9 and team like they were last year. I just think, certainly with the way that Greg Roman calls this offense, that they have limitations that might be difficult to overcome when they play teams that can score with anyone. Yeah, no, I, I get it. I mean, they'll, they'll, they'll be good, but you're totally right. I mean, they have deficiencies on, especially I mean, every, the passing game. No, for sure. I mean, I love Bateman, too. That's the thing. I love Rashad Bateman. I think he's a great player. I, yeah, Rashad Bateman nice will be a good player. It's just, hey, that's a that's another guy during training camp who looks so good. Yeah, looks so good. I mean, I don't know. I just think that, uh, yeah, I mean, we'll see what the Ravens do, but I think they're one of the team. I mean, they'll – Probably, if there's you know the whole worst to first thing, they're probably the odds on favorite to go worst to first. I would have to assume. Speaking on worst to first, so we're looking at these schedules. Um, what other teams? So you just mentioned the Ravens. Do you think there's any other team that could go from worst to first? Yeah, you know, I mean, I think obviously when you look at the Ravens, they're they're the easy call from worst to first because when you go eight and nine, it really means you're not having that bad of a season. And then when you look at the number of injuries they've had. They'll clearly be in play to go to first place in the AFC North next year, despite it being a very difficult division. And I don't think they will win it, but they have a really good chance. I think an interesting team to look at from worst to first, purely because it seems like it's there's a new team winning the division every other year, is probably the NFC East. I think the Giants of the group, if I were, you know, looking at the odds on it, I would be very enticed to take the Giants to maybe win that division. Just because they have pieces. If you look at the receiving core, I know they've been rumored to be trying to trade Kadarius Tony, but he still exists. Kenny Galladay was a good receiver until last season. And I want to say they still have Sterling Shepard, right? Yeah, they still have Sterling Shepard. Okay, so that's three really good weapons. I think through the draft, they had a very good draft. I think the defense got better. I think they have a new head coach in that's going to help change things a lot. Um, for some stupid reason, maybe just because I like athleticism that he kind of has and some of the tools, I think Daniel Jones might be able to pull one out of his arse, but who knows? I'll probably be wrong on all that, but I would say they're my sleeper team to be the team that goes from worst to first. Also, again, you have to consider how rapidly bad the NFC East plays sometimes. That would be my logic on it. Yeah, I mean, I have to completely agree. I mean... If we're going to pick an actual bad team to raise up to first, I feel like it has to be the Giants because the Giants play in a weak division. Plus, I think they added enough new to allow them to go from worst to first. Even though I don't love Daniel Jones, I can't deny no. that they didn't add talent. 
I mean, Evan Neal being your right tackle is a really good situation with yeah. Thomas. Their offensive line is going to be really good. They still have Saquon Barkley. Yep. Um, Whatever's left Saquon of him at this point. Yeah, but behind a better offensive line, he should hopefully play pretty well. And that defense was good last year, even on a bad team. And they were able to add Thibodeau to it. No, exactly. So, I mean, it's enticing. It would be enticing. If you were to lay money on it, I think you could get really good odds. And it probably might not work out, but that's, I don't I, know. I, I think I think it's a good, I, I mean, I, I, I agree. The other team that I could see going from worst to first is probably Denver. Just yeah, because Denver. They were also, they're a good team as well. And they finished last in the AFC West last year and added Russell Wilson. So yeah, it's I mean, hard any, not to be like. No, exactly. And with Denver, it's like okay, any team that can finish even close to 500 with Drew Locke as their quarterback for part of the season and Teddy Bridgewater, there's obviously talent elsewhere. It's now they have a signal caller who can actually play. So I think Denver would be another really good option there. Yeah. Um. Do, do you think there's any team in the league right now that wasn't in the top 10 that could be running for first pick next year? So a team that goes from meteor okay to really, really bad. A team that could go, um, I'm trying to think, so I'm trying to go through. I think, let me get uh, standings here really quick. I got them pulled up. Um, that could go from really good to like really bad. Um, Just a team, not necessarily. Yeah, you know, I'm looking through it. Um, I, I think wa Washington picked outside of the top 10, right? Yep, they were number 11. I think they could. Um, I think, uh, you know, I think the Saints, the Saints could easily be there too. I know people like their uh, their offseason. I know people like that they got Jarvis Landry, they got Tyron Matthew, they bring some of the LSU, you know, roots back down there to Louisiana. But ultimately, I don't know what Jameis is going to do. Um, they don't have Sean Payton anymore. It's Dennis Allen. I don't have fond memories of him being the Oakland head coach, and maybe it's my fault for not being able to shake them. But I would say uh, Washington, the Saints, and let me give you one more team here. Uh, um, yeah, and if you top ten, oh sorry, but no, me, my last no, go ahead. Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. No, 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 you go. No, the last team I would say again is all contingent on whether or not their quarterback can play. Would be the Browns. If the Browns don't have Deshaun Watson, they could possibly pick top ten. Yeah, I also feel like Pittsburgh should be in there. We're talking Pittsburgh about AFC yeah. North teams. Yeah. Uh, I don't really believe in Kenny Pickett. I don't really believe in Mitch Trubisky or whoever else they're going to trot out at quarter. I mean, Mike Tomlin is probably not going to keep them out of the top 10, but just from a pure pure talent standpoint, that team should be in the top 10. No, they I mean, should. I They should. That offensive line is bad. Their quarterback is bad. I, I don't feel like their defense is all that. I mean, their secondary is not very good at all. Well, no, All that's that is TJ Watts and Fitzpatrick basically on defense. I mean, again, I'm biased as a Cincinnati Bengals fan. However, just looking at it last year, there's so much you, there are things you certainly can blame on Ben and you certainly should because he was horrible last year. However, people and specifically Steelers fans are ignorant to think that that was the only issue on that team because there's a lot more than just that. Like you said, I don't think the secondary is as good as people make it out to be. I think skill position-wise, it's good, but it's not anything to write home about, at, at least from my estimation. 
Um, and then again, I, you're rolling with Pickett or Mitch Trubisky. I mean, Mitch had a decent number of years in Chicago. Um, and Pickett, I don't know what to make him. He's got the highest, you know, floor of the group, but I could see them picking top 10. I don't think everything is there that people make it out to be sometimes. Yeah. No, that would be my pick. That's a good but, pick. So, I like that. uh, as we transition over, um, if you could saw, so we have a Twitter handle. So we are backseat124 if you want to see us on Twitter. And so a couple days ago, there was a report that came out about Juan Soto over in the MLB. And that Juan Soto is currently being rumored by rival execs that he may be able to be traded this coming deadline slash next offseason. So on Twitter, Clark took and he put together a potential trade package for the San Diego Padres. So, Clark, let's talk through that. Do you think that this is an actual report? Let's start there. Okay, so I think it's an actual report if you read it the way that it was sent out in the tweet and that rival executives believe that Juan Soto is going to be possibly traded. I'm sure rival executives would love that because that means that they could trade for him. Um I think ultimately the truth of the matter is, is that if the Nationals are going to move Soto, I don't think it's going to be something that happens at the deadline. If it does, I would A, be shocked. And I think B, it would probably be have to be one of the, if not the largest trade haul in recent memory at this point. Because I don't think there's ever been a player of Soto's caliber at his age, at his affordability available on the market. So do I think it's going to happen? No. Um, do I think, you know, rival execs threw that out there? Yeah, I'm sure that they want him out on their team and not on the Nationals. But I don't know if it's going to happen at this deadline. It's more likely in my mind to happen at the winter meetings. But what about you? You think there's any be actually any movement of him? Uh, I mean, No. I, yeah. I do not think that the Nationals assign him. I mean, he's 23 years old. It'd be really tough to move a guy like that. Um, but, I mean, we've seen MLB teams do crazy things so far. So, who mm -hmm. knows? Especially, it feels like teams that are bad get more and more desperate to just reboot faster and faster in the MLB modern mm -hmm. day. So, maybe they would move Soto. I would give it like a 20% chance probably. I think it's more likely in the offseason just because I don't know if a team could put together a haul that would work halfway through the season. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way. I'm like, because I, I think what some people have to consider too is that maybe it would be more likely with everyone after we get past the MLB draft and you draft your first round picks and that's what comes out respectively. Um, but I think right now for a haul to give up of that amount, um, I just don't see it as something that happened. I, I think the most recent trade of that scale that's even comparable would probably be the Mookie Betts trade, but that was something that happened in the winter meetings. It wasn't a deadline trade um, of something like that. And, and the thing is that's interesting with two about Soto compared, because some people could be like, oh, well, the Orioles traded Machado back in, what was it, 2017, 2018, 2018 yeah, over to the Dodgers. But the reality of the situation was, was that Machado only had half a season. He was a rental. He was a really expensive rental. But the thing is with Soto is that, okay, he's a little bit more than that and that you get two more years of control. So you don't have to pay him quite yet. 
And then after those two years, you can pay him. So realistically, a team could trade for him and realize, all right, the team that we thought we put together is not going to win. And they could say, hey, you know, we can ship him off again somewhere and try to get something back in return. So I just don't think something at the deadline is going to happen with it. But No, I mean, we've already... I mean, again, it's just a report back in February, but we've already seen Soto reject an offer of 13 mm-hmm. years for $350 million. Yeah. I mean, that would put him in the likes of where Fernando Tatis is getting paid right now. Mm-hmm. I think, so, yeah. If the Nationals have already offered that, I got to think they're comfortable going higher, but I, I guess they don't know. I mean, the thing is, as far as, I mean, the Nationals, as poverty as they are right now, and I think they are the worst team in baseball. I think they're worse than the Reds. It's no. very close. I think it's close. Those two teams are a joke. I think they're very close to the Reds more than people want to give them credit for. But I think the Nationals, well, they didn't pay Harper either, but I don't know. I feel like the Nationals would be willing to deal deep. But I think also, too, from Soto's perspective, I know if they already offered that, if he's turning down 13 for 350 mil, do you really think he wants to stay with the Nationals then? I mean, I don't know. He could be. He just knows he can get more money other places. I think he certainly wants to test the market. I don't think he wants to take the first. Because, I mean, the differences between like him and Tatis is that, and I will give the Padres credit here for once, probably for the first time ever in terms of being competitive, is that the Padres had prior spent money and showed a commitment to winning. The Nationals right now, it's like, all right, it's Juan Soto and it's Josh Bell and a whole bunch of other guys that we've signed for one-year deals, and we want to tank the shit out of this thing. So I don't know. I I don't think that uh, Soto has any inclination to sign, too, maybe. Maybe. I mean, so, so let's talk it over. So if a team were to trade for Soto... What would a package even look like? Like, what are we even talking about? So maybe let's go to your. Let's go. Yeah, to we'll go yeah, we'll go to my trade. I can remember it off the top of my head because of the the, the people that decided to reply basically called me an idiot. But you know, sometimes the people that get called idiots are actually geniuses. Um, so in my proposed trade, as far as if I can remember correctly, and you can correct yeah, me if I I'm wrong, it it's uh, I wanted. I said I would give up. Now I'm kind of already rethinking it. I would give up Gore, Abrams, Campensano. Cronenworth and James Wood. That is your trade. Okay. As insane as that sounds, and I kind of regret putting in Mackenzie Gore in there now because he looks so dang good and he looks like an ace. The reality of the situation is, in me, in my mind, when I made that, is that the Padres right now are currently witnessing the prime prime of Manny Machado. You only have so many years of this. He is the best player in the National League right now, and you're going to get Tatis back. So if you really wanted to go for it, if you really wanted the most lethal one, two, three in baseball, if you really wanted to push people and say, hey, we're going all in, then you trade for Juan Soto and you make this deal. You roll the dice on it. I know it'd probably be a little controversial because I know Cronenworth's a really good player, and I think Mackenzie Gore has proven he's a really good player at the major league level, and Abrams and Wood have all these projections of being in makings of very good players at the major league level. However... I would love nothing more to add the best hitter in the National League, if not in all of baseball, onto my team. It's hard to resist if you could do it. Well, especially when you think about the fact that right now, Juan Soto is one of the best hitters in the National League 
without much support around him. Exactly. In the Padres lineup, he's being added next to two perennial MVP candidates. Yeah. And, like, one of the things, too, that I mean, it always humors me when people, you know, they're like, well, the Twitter GMs are back at it again and just questioning my intelligence, which is fair enough because I would do it, too. But, um, People were like, oh, that's ludicrous for the hall for like, that's way too much. We should get more than Soto for that. And I'm like, Juan Soto in the last like five years has finished top 10 in OPS, weighted runs, creative plus and OPS plus. Like he is ungodly good and he's only 23. Like they're not just going to give you him for like, well, well, you can give us two of your prospects and you can have Juan Soto. No, that's not how it's going to work. If some team trades for Juan Soto, it's players who are close to the big leagues who are highly talented and probably one guy who's young and going to be very good for a while, like Cronenworth. However, people live in fantasy land and want to pretend it wouldn't command anything, but the reality well, of the situation... The, the only way that you wouldn't have to give up huge prospects is by taking on huge contracts, which is what the what Dodgers did with Mookie mm -hmm. Betts. Is they only got Mookie Betts for a year, but they had to take on David Price for the next like four Exactly. Huge salary. Exactly. But that's another thing with Soto. You don't have to take anything on. He's getting paid, if I want to say, according to Sport Chat, like less than a million dollars or something. Maybe just over. Well, that. so he does arbitration right now. He's getting paid 16. 16 so million? He's, he's ar yeah, he's arbitration eligible right now. So he's getting paid 16. Still, that's a fleecing. If you consider on the Padres that Will Myers currently makes $20 million, then yes. Yeah, Juan Soto or Eric $16 Cosmer. Million is currently sitting on a $144 million con which Eric Hosmer has been playing well this year. No, Eric Hosmer's been solid. I mean, no one we'll talk about later sometime. Those May wasn't yeah. very good, but he His has love been playing is well. still bad, but yeah, he's hitting well right now. But there are players in this league that are getting paid way more than $16 million a year and mm -hmm. are not nearly the player Juan Soto is before he's hit his prime. No, exactly. I mean, that's the thing. Soto, like, he's extremely good right now. People are like, oh, there's no way he can get better than this. But that's not true. It is going to get better, actually. It's going to get probably significantly better. So, I mean, look at, I don't want to use this comparison, but a lot of people see when they see these young all-stars, they're like, how are they going to get any better? Look at Mike Trout. Yeah. Mike Trout was a five a five tool player coming out as a rookie and then somehow became even even bigger power hit over the next like four years he's yeah. now a perennial like 50 home run guy exactly i mean that's the thing like okay so for you know soto and probably even more so with a guy like tatish for the padres eventually the stolen bases and you know the the speed may slow down a little bit but that's only because they're just like, screw it. I just want to hit more nukes. That's all I'm going to do is focus more on my OPS, getting the ball in the air, gap to gap. I don't care about stolen bases. They don't help as much. And oh, so speaking of uh, hitting nukes, did you see that report that Fernando Tatis has put on 10 pounds of muscle? I would believe it. he's probably bored as hell right now. You can't let him swing a bat. I love Fernando because he refuses to sit still. I also hate him for that because then sometimes you're like, oh, you're doing too much, bud, like riding motorcycles. But yeah, I totally believe it with him. I'm like, he's probably bored as hell. His dad's a former big leaguer. If you don't think he's got him absolutely jacked and ready to go, you're playing yourself. Yeah. So, I thought that was kind of funny that uh, no, he's apparently put on 10 pounds of muscle. I know I can believe it. I'm just sure he's eating good and lifting even more. So, but yeah, just to, to go back to the Soto thing, I, I think any team that wants to conceivably trade for him, you are going to have to give up almost every sort of intriguing piece of prospect where you have, it's going to have to go. 
Yeah. So is, is there any point that you think would be too much for Soto? Is if you were a team, like how much big league talent would you give up? Where where do you think you'd cross a line of like we're talking about maybe this is too much? I think it all boils down to at least to some extent um how comfortable you feel you are at identifying and developing talent. Cuz I think for a team at least in my mind, like I think the Dodgers are very willing to make these deals trading off prospects because they know they're so good at developing and finding talent. Like, I think the reason they're like, yeah, I don't care about a Mookie Betts trade because while we're giving up key key guys like Alex Verdugo, who we've, you know, drafted or signed and brought up is because we'll just do it again. I mean, that's the reason, I mean, Jock Peterson, Cody Bellinger, I mean, Cody Bellinger is a little bit worse now, but they have plenty of guys that you're just like, okay, they drafted him, they brought him up. He's great. I mean, looking at the pitching, Dustin May, I mean, okay, they lose a guy like Granke at some point, or that's a little bit farther back, but they have dudes that are just ready to go. I mean... Yeah. I think there is probably a point where you don't want to give up too much, but at the same time, it's like with a player of his caliber, you have to question what your limit would be. And I don't know what that is for some teams. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's also how much better do you think he could get? Yeah. I think it, I think too, it extends to, do you think you can financially keep him? Like, do you think you can sign him after the two years or do you can extend yeah. him during the two years? I, I think so it's probably, what? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, wait, no, I was going to transition, so you continue. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, the last oh, thing I, I was going to say, if on, if this is the last part of it, I think the reality for the Soto deal is that if he is traded, there's probably only like five, six teams that could legitimately do it, and they're all huge market teams because they can trade the capital, and then they can go ahead and invest in them and spend the money to actually keep them. Yeah, that makes total sense. Uh, the one point I wanted to go back to before we wrap up today is this idea that you said the Washington Nationals are worse than the Cincinnati Reds, who threw a no-hitter mm-hmm. that didn't count. So in what way do you think the Nationals are worse than the Reds? Maybe I one think... of the worst teams baseball's ever seen. Okay, so yes, the Reds are the worst teams I've ever witnessed play baseball. However, I think the Nationals this year might be a little bit worse. At least when I watch the Reds, they seem like they are, you know, into it like there is something there it's a little bit more substance wise on the field uh the reds at least have some talent on the uh the rotation they have nick lodolo they have hunter green they have guys that can actually throw the ball effectively and tantalize you with the possibility of what they could do jonathan india is a good player um you know there's guys out there when you watch the washington nationals when you are not watching juan soto you are watching a train wreck there's not one thing that gets you excited about that team. Maybe besides Josh Bell, I shouldn't mean Josh Bell. Josh Bell is a good player. However, outside of him and Josh Bell, if you watch the Washington Nationals, there's no Steven Strasburg. There's nothing that gets you out of the bed. They stink, and they don't care, and I don't think they're going to be good anytime soon. Not that I think the Reds are going to be good anytime soon, but at least the Reds right now look a little bit more into it and competitive than the Nationals do. I don't know. The Reds are just so bad. Well, what is it? What is the standing set? We got there, huh? Like, let me take a peek I, at that. I mean, game apart. I mean, they're really See? super bad. The, okay, the Nationals are losing the Dodgers 10 nothing right now. I mean, yeah, but the Dodgers the Dodgers. But so it's pathetic. So they're at bad. home. They're it's at home not- losing. They're at home losing to the Dodgers 10 nothing. I just lost the Padres 10-1 yesterday. 
okay but that was you know i mean that's a fair point but at the same time it's like jesus let's get it together they're not even like it just looks so horrible it's a terrible product not to say the reds are in any degree better but the reds i think at this point have a little bit more talent on the field yeah that's it let me just go to ganrads 14 and 28 the reds are 12 and 28 except the reds are six and four in the last 10 so what folks yeah the reds i'm still yeah. around I'm saying the Nationals are worse than the Reds. I would rather, if you said, hey, Clark, you the Reds game where you can go watch a Nationals game, I would go take the, the Reds ticket. Really? Just because you know the other team's beating the Reds? Well, I mean, both teams, I would have, you know, operate on the assumption that they're going to what lose. What are the Reds? But... Wait, you keep making the point of, like, oh, the Nationals don't care, but at least they have Soto and... But like, Josh Bell? What do the Reds have that's interesting to watch? The Red, I just named you three guys. Jonathan India, that's he's he was eight NL rookie yeah, but... of the year last year. Holt, that's big. Then they have Hunter Green to his credit through eight innings of a no hitter and was a part of a combined no hitter. They just happened to lose. We don't talk about that. Yeah, you but know, it doesn't can't. count. That's the yeah, thing. They didn't pitch all count, nine innings, but they can tell themselves that it count because they did do it. And then who else? Nick Lodolo, he's a good guy on the rotation that could potentially be there. I just think when I watch them play that the red, you know, more entertaining. I don't know. I think the reds are losing. I mean, the reds have a minus 64 they're run so differential. Bad. They're terrible. They're so bad. They're on pace to lose 125 games. Yeah. Well, that's just on the pace. Who knows anything about that? It doesn't mean anything on the pace you know i guess i'm telling you right now someone said hey clark here's some tickets and it's not a nice day at either stadium it's gross it's probably rained a little bit the ohio river stinky it's not good conditions at either place i would take the reds ticket well i guess that's just you uh <laughs> is there anything else you want to talk about no no i think we're uh, i think i've gotten my spiel out about how much i clearly love the cincinnati reds so yeah, I mean the Reds are a great franchise. This is coming from a Bengals fan. Yeah, so, so I'm not I'm not a Reds fan, but you know. Yeah. So this has been from the backseat. We hope to see you next whenever we uh get this posted and get this going. Uh yep. we're gonna start doing these hopefully frequently, figuring out hopefully our schedule. Frequently. Uh yeah, so we have a TikTok, we have a Twitter, so go interact with us there. We're looking forward to it. Hope you have a great rest of your day. Thanks for giving us your time. Goodbye. Later.